Thank you, Heidi and Stan. Welcome to Centenary. We're so thankful. Thankful, thank you to all of you families who have uh, shared with us the loved ones we have celebrated today. I look around and I, I see some of you. I want you to know the rose that we brought forward for your loved one. Uh, we invite you to take that with you when today's service is over as a reminder of God's love that never ends and a reminder of uh, that they are now in the presence of God. All Saints Day is one of those days that uh, I think for some of us who are Protestants or evangelicals, uh, it can be a little bit of a difficult day. I think we struggle sometimes with the idea of saints. Uh, when I rem- and whenever I think of saints, I go back to my freshman year at Kenyon College. Our chaplain was uh, an Episcopalian. It was an Episcopal college, and our chaplain was Father Carl Stevens. And uh, Carl, uh, he, uh, one thing I remember about Carl is whenever he got to preach, or whenever he talked, he would always talk about a saint. Not like saints that, you know, those of us who grew up in churches like this remember, you know, St. Mark, St. John, St. Peter. You know, we never called them that. We just called them John, Mark, and Peter. You know what I mean. Um, but he would talk about these odd saints with names I can't remember who lived in like 1292. And I always thought it was a little odd, you know. In fact, I don't even know if he used the Bible. He just talked about saints. And I thought that was a little much, personally. It was the evangelical part of me said, you know, why do we focus on saints? It wasn't until I was in seminary. And when I read a little bit about the history of the church, I found that the early church, they were positively obsessed with saints. Do you know that? They had days for saints. They had seasons for saints. They did everything. They remembered all these people. I kind of wonder why they do that. But as I pressed... I remember because, you know, when Christianity was new, they didn't have a tradition. They weren't powerful. They were persecuted. They were struggling. They looked to people who had run the race and kept the faith. And they called them saints. And so this morning, we are reminded on all this All Saints Day, we do not exist alone. And we're reminded today that there are those who came before us. And as I was thinking about what I would share this morning, I was reminded that even Jesus had people who came before him. Now that might sound a little strange to some of you, but it's in the Bible, if you believe it. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bible to see it for yourself. We're going to go to the beginning of the New Testament. The Bible is in two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're going to the New Testament to the book of Matthew. And we're going to go to the very first chapter, the very first verse. These are the first words that are in the New Testament part of your Bible. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. Will you hear this morning God's inspired and holy word? An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Ruth, by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David." And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, 
and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiad, and Abiad the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliad, and Eliad the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. This morning I want to ask you just one question before we come to the table. And that is, who has made a difference in your life? Who has made a difference in your life? Maybe you're sitting right next to the person. Maybe there's someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Maybe you're thinking of someone who's in heaven right now, who's gone on before us. But I suspect if you're paying attention, you're thinking about someone, maybe more than one. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a coach, a teacher, professor, youth director, Sunday school teacher, pastor, music director. I don't know what, who you're thinking about. But the truth is every one of us has someone who has loved us into being the person we are today. Every one of us. You see, we were made for that. You and I were not made to be by ourselves. All of us were made to be connected with others. We were made uh, to be in relationship with others. Think about the very beginning of the Bible. In the very first chapter of the book of Genesis, God creates Adam, the man, and puts him in the garden and says, this is good, but it's not good that the man is alone. And so God creates a helper called woman, called Eve, and then he looks down and he says, look, now there are two people, that is very good. We were made to be in relationship. Now, sin has distorted relationships, and you can probably also think of people who have hurt you in your life. But the good news is that God has given you people uh, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to bless you. You see, when it comes to our faith and when it comes to our life, we're all really like the tortoise on top of the fence post. You've heard about him? We know two things about him when you see a tortoise on top of the fence post. One, we don't know how the tortoise got there. And two, we know he didn't get there by himself. And that's the way we are. Because we're made to be in connection. Someone told you about Jesus. Somebody told you the gospel. Your parents, a teacher. Someone has helped you grow in the faith. Someone was there for you in difficult times. We were made for that. 
This week I was reminded of that. I got to have the great privilege to do my favorite thing in pastoral ministry. And that's to visit newborn babies. I love it. We've had several in our church and we'll have a few more. I do want to say every time we've had a newborn baby, the senior pastor has been out of town. I didn't arrange it that way, but I get to go. So I went to go see Chris and Sarah Brown's newborn twins. The red roses on the communion table today, there's two of them, are in their honor. Little Gemma and Olivia. And I happened to go Monday morning. They were born last Sunday. I went Monday morning to Central Baptist in Lexington. And I go in there and and it's just at that time they said, you know, we're going to go up to the neonatal ICU. Would you like to come with us? Yes, please. Love to see them. I probably should have said no, but I said, I want to go. I want to see them. And there they were, little Gemma and little Livia and the little incubators. They were born a month premature. They're very small. And we were in there for about a few minutes, and then one of the nurses said, we'd like you, told Sarah, we'd like you to hold Olivia, the little one. She's three pounds and two ounces. And they took Olivia, and they held Olivia against Sarah's chest. Have you ever seen that done? I didn't know that was a thing. I thought it was cute, but I literally, it wasn't cute. That wasn't the reason they did it. Uh, They found that when they do that, when the mother holds the baby in the first days of life, it is good for the baby. Forty years ago, they found out in a study in Colombia that uh, when, uh, that babies, they had a 70% mortality rate for premature babies in that country in the 70s. But they found, though, that when the children were held by their parents, they survived. And in fact, studies have shown that when the mother holds the baby, or even the father holds the baby close to their chest, it regulates the baby's heart rate and their temperature. Isn't that amazing how God has made us to be connected, to receive and to give to one another? And these people for whom have made a difference in our lives as a church, we have a word for them and we call them saints. You know, we think about saints and we, you know, immediately it goes to just like way up there, perfect people. You know, the church has a ceremony for them and says, you are a saint. But, you know, in the Bible, Paul says to the people, he says, if you are baptized and you follow Jesus, you are a saint. See, saints are not perfect people. Saints are just people that God's grace flows through. Did you hear that? Saints are just people who have received God's grace and God's grace flows through them. You've probably had people like that in your life. You know, this week I've been thinking about saints. And I just keep thinking about, especially those who've gone to be with the Lord, and I remember the pastor that baptized me and that confirmed me. His name was Dick Teller. Some of you have heard me talk about Pastor Dick before. Uh, Dick was, uh, Dick died three years ago. He was 87. Dick served over 60 years as a pastor in the United Methodist Church. Um, The thing about Dick that was great was that Dick was not perfect, and he'd be the first to tell you. See, what made Dick so great was that he had been through a lot in his life. His ministry had nearly come to an end on at least two occasions, including one when he was just a few years from retirement at the peak of his career in a 2,000-member church. His senior pastor at nearly all crime crashing down. And he'd tell us about that. But you know what was great about him was that he was honest and open with us. This man who was a giant to us admitted that he struggled. 
But most of all, what that formed in him was that commitment that he really knew that he was in need of grace. And that's what he always talked about was grace. I visited with him on the day after Christmas four years ago, a year before he died. And I remember, and I wrote down, his, he, I asked him, I was two years in the ministry then, and I, said, I asked him, I said, Dick, do you have any suggestions or hints for me? And I remember what he told me. I wrote him down. I looked at him last night, in fact. And he said, one, don't major in the minors of the gospel. Every time you get up there, tell them that God is grace, God is love, that though we have sinned, though we have fallen short, there is grace to forgive us. Tell them every time. Two, he said, uh, affirm your people, but also challenge them. Third, he said, uh, be faithful but lo- and loving. Do both. Be faithful and loving. And fourth, he said, be yourself. He lived that out every day. And I think about today, how I don't do a great job at all those things, but, but the direction of my ministry is shaped by Dick Teller and those things he practiced. He didn't even have to tell me those things because he lived them out. You see, the people who made a difference in your life, they may have told you what to do, but you may have more likely watched them do it. It made a difference in my ministry. It shapes how I approach ministry. And I am in some ways what I do as an extension of that which he did for so many years. And I think about this church and I think about all those who have gone before, those whose legacy we follow after. You know, last night I was on, uh, I, got on the, I got on the internet and I, I Google searched Centenary United Methodist Church Danville obituaries to look at all the people whose obituaries have been part of this church. And I, and I read through all those names and some of them I knew personally, many of those who we named today I knew personally. I also knew some names I've heard of that I didn't know personally but mean a lot to you. You know, I read names like Jack Delaney. Jim McAfee, Coach John Buchanan, Julie Alice Carter, Buddy Brown, David Layton. I see the difference they made in lives and I look around and I see some of you, you remember them because they made a difference in your life. One of them, more of them, all of them. See, that's what it means to be a saint. That's what we celebrate today. Not perfect people, but imperfect people who let God's grace use them. In our scripture lesson that we read from Matthew's gospel, you read it. One, I, I want to say I did rehearse those names. It's true. Anyone who'd like to read that next time, let me know. You know, a lot of those names, those were just some big, long names, weren't they? You know, some of those names are, are, are people who, uh, who were really like giants, right? Abraham, Isaac, David, Solomon. But you know, some of those were names of people who didn't have the best reputation. Rahab. David reminds us that Solomon, what does it remind us? It doesn't say, and Solomon was the father, David was the father of Solomon. No, he says, David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. You know that story? Where David committed adultery, then had Uriah's husband, had Uriah's Bathsheba's wife killed to cover it up. 
But yet God used that. He didn't cause it. He didn't bless it. But he used that to bring the Savior of the world. You see, nothing you have ever committed, nothing that anyone's ever committed, will keep God from using you. You know, and there were some names that we've never heard of, that you'd never have heard of. You would say, where are they in the Bible? The answer is they aren't. From Abiah down to Joseph, we don't know it. There's no other source for those names in recorded history. Those were people that lived and died. Maybe they wondered if they'd ever made a difference. But God used them to make a difference. God's grace flowed through them to bring us to that point of that fulfillment of Jesus. And so what am I saying today? I'm saying, one, I thank God for all the saints in our lives. But two, and here's the good news, because God makes a saint, you can be a saint too. The only prerequisite to be a saint is to open your heart to the love of Jesus. The only prerequisite to being a saint is to receive the forgiveness of sins on the cross of Calvary. And when you do that, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, he says, those of you who were once considered foreigners and far off, now God has brought you near and called you citizens and saints. You do not become a saint on your own. I suspect if we were honest, not one of us here could think we could be a saint on our own. Saints are made by God. Saints are made when we open our heart to his grace. And so you can be a saint and you can let God's grace flow through you to make a difference in the world around you. Maybe it's in your family with your kids or your grandkids. Maybe it's with children in this community. I, I, uh, I think of uh, Patty Rowland and the Kids Hope Program. I think of the difference that, that Patty has made and Susanna has made. And I look around, there are more of you, so many of you have made over long-term relationships. You know, a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I'm glad Patty's not here. She wouldn't want me to tell you this. But a few, uh, uh, unless she's somewhere else, Bob. Is she, she's some, I don't know, okay. Um, a few weeks ago, I, she told me that uh, there was a child she had met when they were very young. And she'd been her, his, her mentor for 10 years. And that week, that child who was at risk 10 years ago, she went to their induction to the National Honor Society at Danville High School. See, that's making a difference. That's letting God's grace flow through you. And you can make that difference in the life of a child, in the life of an older adult, in the life of wherever you go. Being a saint means that is a million opportunities every day to share the love and grace of God. I'm so grateful that today we get to come to the communion table on this All Saints Sunday. When I first came here, we had them on separate Sundays. I'm so glad we put them together. It's going to be a little longer, maybe a few extra minutes today. But I think it'll be worth it for two reasons. One, when we come to the communion table, we come and we dine at the same table with those who've gone before us. You'll kneel at the rail with those who have made a difference who have gone to be with the Lord. You'll kneel where they knelt. But even more so, when the Bible talks about heaven, it gives a lot of images and a lot of pictures, but one that keeps coming up over and over again is the image of a banquet. That Jesus prepares the feast, and Jesus comes and comes to this table and says, when you come here, I prepare the feast. I feed you with the bread and the cup. We don't have a very developed theology of what happens to the bread and the wine at Holy Communion. 
in the United Methodist Church. Some denomination tell you exactly what happened. What I'm going to tell you is very simple. I don't know what happens to the bread and the wine, but I know that when we break the bread, when we tell the story that Jesus, that he, his, body was, his body was hung to the cross for us, his blood was shed for us for our forgiveness of our sins, when we tell that story, Jesus says, I'm going to be here and I'm the host and I'm going to feed you. And so when you come to the table, you come to the table to receive God's grace. And so that, and that grace sustains us and strengthens us for our life and to go and be saints. You know, as we thank God for all the saints today, as we thank God that somehow God has said to each one of us, as imperfect and as struggling as we are, God says to us, you too can be a saint you too, I want you to be one of my saints when I call upon people. Remember one little story. It's about a little boy who went to a church in a big downtown cathedral and they had the beautiful colored stained glass windows down the side. And they had the big images of people and below it the little uh, the, the, the signs of St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Paul. And he saw those every day. And one day in children's church, his teacher asked him, well, on this All Saints Day, we ask, what is a saint? And the little boy said, a saint is someone the sun shines through. Thanks be to God for all the saints. May it be so for you and for me. Amen. Let's pray.